Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. for being with us today. I'm Aaron Bauer. I'm one of the pastors here at Ocean View. And when I was five years old, I got a note in my folder uh, from kindergarten, from my kindergarten teacher. Have you ever had a note sent home in your folder? It's a little, like, you never know what it's, what's inside. You don't, you're like, what is it going to say? Especially as a five-year-old, you're like, I don't know what it's going to say. And so it gets home, and my mom opens it up, and she looks at it, and then the questions start. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, oh, it's probably like lack of attention or he did something bad. or It it was never really any of those things. But what it was was this note that prompted a lot of questions from my mom about, are you having trouble seeing in class? Now, I wanted to say no, because that would mean that there's something wrong, right, if I said yes. But she says, let's investigate this, right? So my brother goes to our room where there is a poster hanging up on the wall. He takes it off of the wall and he stands at one end of the living room and holds it. And I'm at the other end of the living room and my mom says, hey, can you read that poster? Now, I had memorized that poster. So I said what it said. And I don't remember today. It had something with a tiger. I do remember that, okay? Something about a tiger. And, um, And my mom said, are you reading that or do you just know what it says? I'm like, mom, I'm smart. I know what it says. Come on. And so... Uh, She says, all right, let's point to individual words and see if you can make them out and letters. And so my brother starts pointing at words and starts pointing at letters and I can't really make it out. She says, well, take a step closer. And I keep taking steps until it becomes clearer what it says. So I end up at the eye doctor the next week. And of course, my my, my vision is is blurry. Um, I'm nearsighted. And so um, I go back to kindergarten. I go back to my class with glasses blue plastic framed glasses. Now, this was back in the day where having glasses made you a nerd, a geek. Today, we don't have that anymore, I don't think, as much. We have people who wear glasses as a style choice, not because they have to. You people are posers. You have no idea what we had to endure so that you could walk around with your fancy glasses, okay? So, I go back to kindergarten with glasses, and every year I go back for my eye exam. Okay, every year I go back, and guess what? Every single year my prescription gets worse. It changes every single year. If you were to look at pictures of me when I was in elementary uh, school, you would see very few pictures, if any, of me not wearing glasses. I think there are two that I can remember, and it was because it was school picture day, and my mom said, make sure you take your glasses off for school picture day. Some of you had to do that. So there are pictures of me, very formal ones of me not wearing glasses, but all the other pictures I have my glasses on. And this continues up until seventh grade, okay? So now I'm in seventh grade and I go to the eye doctor. My eye doctor says, all right, they're really bad. In fact, they're so bad that if we were to give you more glasses, like the the lenses would be pretty thick, okay? So we should now transition to contact lenses. Now, that kind of scared me a little bit. I mean, I have to touch my eyeball. That's kind of weird. And so um, I I sit down, and we're going to put the contact lenses in my eyes for the first time, and I will never, ever forget this moment as long as I live. Like, I sit down. I struggle for, like, 15 minutes. I finally get the contact lenses into my eyes, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I sit back, and this is exactly what I say. I kid you not. This is what I said. I said, oh, 
that's what I look like without glasses. And she's, my mom standing there, she goes, what are you talking about? I said, mom, I have never seen my face in real time without wearing glasses. Because from kindergarten on, in order to see what I look like, I had to have glasses on. This is the first time that I could see clearly. In this one moment, everything became really, really clear for me. Now, of course, I'm speaking of my physical vision. And by the way, yes, they're still very bad. And yes, I'm wearing contacts now. I can't drive without them, right? It's illegal. So um, in a moment, everything becomes really clear. And we're talking about the gospel today. We're starting this conversation about the gospel. And when I start thinking about the gospel, about how everything becomes clear in this moment, and I start wondering about the gospel, right? Because we say that a lot, and it is good news. It's what gospel means. It's good news. It is good, right? And it is news. It's not something that happened a long time ago. It's like when we say news, it's like breaking news, like it's current, it's happening right now. So it is good. It is news. It's not a historical context kind of thing. It's like active today. This idea that Christ died for sinners, that you and I, we were separated far from God, pursuing our own interests after our own desires, doing whatever we wanted. And we had no thought, no mindset of God entering into our existence because from creation, we chose against him. We chose to run the opposite direction. But Jesus, God, in his love for us, he desired a relationship with us so much. He didn't want us to be separated from him forever. So he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you and for me. He lives among us, taking on the form of creation. And he dies on a cross willingly, perhaps through one of the most cruelest executions imaginable. He dies taking the punishment of sin, which is death, upon himself. And in that moment, everything changes. He is buried in a tomb, but three days later, he rose again. And he said, anyone who believes in me, will never have to perish. They can have eternal life. And if we confess Him as Lord and we ask Him to forgive us of our sins, He alone is the one worthy enough, we just sang about that, which is so great, is worthy enough to forgive us of our sin and to give us a new life in Him so that we can have a relationship with God forever, not just after this life, but in this life, here and now. That is the gospel. It is big. It is life-changing. It is life-giving. That's the gospel. And it is good news. It's amazing. And sometimes, though, I think we overcomplicate it. Because that was a lot of words that I just said, right? And so as we're talking about this idea of the gospel, I'm wondering, all right, how do we, how do we really put it down into its essence? How do we really break it down into its form because there's an expression that you have maybe heard growing up in church or if this is your first time in church you're going to hear it today and maybe you've heard it because this has been used in a lot of different contexts over the years but it's this very simple very basic idea that we can sum the gospel up in basically six words and that's this I was blind now I see so we're going to take a moment today and we're going to look at where that comes from 
Because that is the gospel in six words. I was blind, now I see. I don't necessarily understand all of the other things. I don't necessarily understand why God would choose to pursue me when I had no heart or or desire to go after him. I don't understand that amazing love that he would willingly sacrifice his son on my behalf. I can't understand that. But what I do know is that I was blind, and now I see. And that comes from the gospel of John. John was one of Jesus' disciples, and he walked very closely with Jesus. And he wrote an account of this good news, this life-changing, life-giving news. And he wrote it down, and we are still talking about it today. And there's a moment in this gospel that he writes about, and it's a moment that the other writers of the gospels don't really capture. But John does, because there's something special about this moment. And John writes it in such a beautiful way, from the perspective of this man who was blind and becomes healed. And Jesus is the catalyst for this amazing change that takes place in his life. And we're going to zero in on this, and we're going to look at something. And I hope that you will understand this morning that this gospel is good news, that it is life-changing, life-present right now for you and for I. And it plays out like a narrative. It plays out like, like a show. Like we might watch an episode of TV and then there's like a cliffhanger and then it just keeps, like you want it to keep going, right? And so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at this, at this story kind of unfold in front of us. And I don't want to interrupt it too much because I think there's so much in this. So we're going to jump in. If you have your Bible, you can open it to John 9 or you can download the Bible app. You might have that on your phone. It'll also be on the screen right here. So here we go. As Jesus was walking along, He saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, teacher, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Now this is an interesting question. And I was taking some time to really understand why they would ask this question. But I think if we we pause, we're going to understand something about this culture. You understand that his disciples were asking this question, and it was really just a question that other people probably had in their mind. Why is this man born blind? Is it because of his parents' sin or his own? Can we just pause there for a second? Why would this person be born blind because of what sin? As an infant? What sin did this kid have as an infant that he would be born blind? Is it because God is so, so like, just that God would say, all right, one day this kid is going to be an awful, he's going to be a terrible sinner. And so to punish him for his future sin, he'll be born blind. That was their mindset. Is he blind because of his own sin? Was he born blind? Or maybe it's because his parents had some secret sin that they didn't want anybody to know about and they never confessed it. And so God is punishing them by giving them a son who is born blind. That must be it. Either way, can you imagine being that person? Being a constant either reminder of your parents' mistake or being told that you are a mistake? You grow up in this system that just looks down on you because there must be something spiritually wrong with you. There must be something terrible because God has punished you in this way. And this man grows up that way, constantly believing that he is a mistake, a creation of his parents' sin or of his own sin yet to be committed. Teacher, why was he born blind? What does that do to you as you grow up? What does that do to that family? If every time they look at their son, they're like, everybody thinks we've done something. Why is he born blind? 
And Jesus answers, this is a beautiful answer, it's not because of his sins. It's not because of his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And we must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. Jesus is saying, he was born this way for this moment. Watch what's going to happen. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here, Jesus says, while I'm here in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus says, he was born blind so that I can show you something miraculous. He was born blind so that I can show you something incredible about God our Father. And how much he loves us, not not how much he wants to punish us or remind us of our guilt. Watch this. This is what he does. He spits on the ground. He made mud with the saliva That's a fun word to say. Say it. You want to. Saliva. Isn't it weird? Okay. And spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Now, think about this. If this happened today at school to your kid, you'd be like, what? He did what? Yeah, mom. He spit in the mud and then rubbed it in my face. Told me to go wash it off. You'd be like, what? Who is this kid? Right? His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And some said he was. And others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, no, yes, hey, guys, it's me. What's interesting about this is that this was a man who had been born blind. And at the age of adulthood, he becomes a beggar, right? His parents have sent him out, and now he's a beggar at the synagogue or in town. Everybody walks by this guy. His neighbors walk by him all the time. They should know his face. They should know his story. They should know all about him. But for whatever reason, over the course of life, they have kind of just kind of said, well, that's the outcast. There's the guy who sinned. Something's wrong with him. He's, he was born blind. Or didn't you know he's going to do something really bad one day? Or he's already done something really bad? Or his parents did something really bad? So he's kind of left at arm's length all the time to the point that when he finally can't see, when the miraculous enters into his life and his life has changed forever, people start being like, I don't really remember what that guy looked like. I never paid that close attention to him before. How sad is that? I have to stop and think, all right, how many people am I walking by every single day that are broken or in need, and I've never stopped to look long enough at their face. I've never stopped long enough to listen to their story, and God wants to do something amazing in their life, and he intersects with their life, and their life has changed forever, and I've missed out on it because I didn't even want to look at their face. That's bonus. Let's move on. Okay. They asked, who healed you? What happened? All these people start taking notice. Aren't you the guy? Yeah, I am. I'm the guy. I was the guy that was blind. Who healed you? What happened? And he says, the man they call Jesus. Up until this point, this man has only heard his name. Probably by people walking on the street. He has heard about Jesus. He only knows his name. He has no idea what he looks like. He has heard his voice. That's it. The man they call Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, Go to the pool of Siloam, wash yourself. So I went, I washed, now I can see. Incredible. Where is he now? Where is this guy Jesus now, they asked. I don't know, he says. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. The Pharisees uh, are what one person calls the super holy religious people of the day. They knew it all, right? So they take him to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath 
This is so interesting. They didn't take him to the Pharisees to say, look what God has done. They said, look, some guy spit on mud, and that's work, and we don't work on the Sabbath. That's why. It was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. They missed this miracle entirely, right? Because it didn't follow their rules. It didn't conform to their rules. It didn't conform to their idea of what it meant to be religious and holy. And the Pharisees, these super holy religious people, they asked this man all about it. So he told them, well, he, Jesus, put the mud over my eyes. And when I washed it away, I could see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, he's not from God. Because he's working on the Sabbath. He spit on mud. And that is work. By the way, if that's work, I work really hard. That doesn't mean I spit a lot, but I do when I'm outside. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. So it's this idea of, all right, Jesus has done something. It's incredible and it's miraculous. Is it because he's a sinner? Is he even able to do this? Or is he who he says he is? In this moment, these super holy religious people are forced into a corner. They have to start asking these questions. They have to start wondering, okay, what is this? This is something new that's happening, this deep division. And the Pharisees, the super holy religious people, question the man who had been blind and demanded. They ask him. They sit him down. Again, they haven't even rejoiced in the miracle. Keep that in mind. They haven't said, wow, this is amazing that you were blind and now you can see. Where is this guy? We want to go meet him. They're like, we want to condemn this guy right away. What's your opinion about this man who healed you? Which is an interesting question. If you were healed of something, what would your opinion be of the person who healed you? Pretty favorable, I would imagine. So the man replies, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man. They refused, get this, they refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. They have walked by this guy every single day. They grew up in a community with him, and now they're just starting to deny that it was even possible he was never really blind to begin with. So they called in his parents, and they said, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? So now mom and dad are involved, and they show up. And I love their response. His parents replied, we know that this is our son. Like, we know that he was born blind. But we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Why don't you ask him? He is old enough to speak for himself, right? Because he was. Why would they say that? Why wouldn't they come to the defense of their son? This is so interesting. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he is old enough. Ask him. Can you imagine being these parents? Can you imagine being in this situation where their son had grown up blind and everyone in their faith community everyone in their synagogue everyone in their in their town said oh he's blind because of something they did that means whenever they did show up to worship which was probably rare they were ostracized right they were condemned there's the family there's something up with them their kid was born blind they did something really bad oh there's there's the blind guy that's that kid he's There's some sin in his life, some secret sin, and it's been there really bad since the day he was born. Can you imagine being that family? The impression I get is that when he's old enough to finally be an adult and go out on his own, they send him away as quickly as possible because they want to get back into that faith community so badly. 
and they finally find themselves in it, and they can finally say, well, you know, it must be some sin that he had. It was never us. It was never us. It must be some sin that he had. And so they finally find themselves in it, and they're so afraid that if they back their son up, that the leaders are going to say, well, you're back out of the club again. Out you go. They didn't want to be a part of that. They've been through that before. They just want to settle down. So for the second time, they call in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. We know that Jesus couldn't have done this because he hasn't heard from God. Only we have heard from God, and therefore this has to be an imposter. And this is what happens next. I don't know whether he is a sinner, says the man. But I know this. I love this. I love this. Here it is. I was blind, and now what? I can see. I was blind, and now I can see. But what did he do? They asked, how did he heal you? This guy's great. Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? This guy is sassy. I like him a lot. I've already told you. I can't explain it. You guys want to debate all these little things. You guys want to go back and forth and back and forth. None of that matters to me. All I know is that I was blind. Now I can see. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that the miracle? Isn't it great? And what do they do? What's their response? They curse him. And they say, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. That means the law. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man, Jesus, comes from. I love this guy. Why, that's very strange, the man says. He healed my eyes, and you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, right? We know God doesn't listen to sinners because that's what you've said. You say this all the time. You say it every week to everybody that comes in the synagogue. God doesn't listen to sinners. God doesn't listen to sinners. God doesn't listen to them. That means he hasn't been listening to my parents who've been praying for me day after day after day. That means he doesn't listen to me because I've been blind since birth, because I've been praying day after day after day. And you're saying God doesn't listen to sinners. But, I love this, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. That blind man heard Jesus. Go wash. He did. And ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. And if this man, if this Jesus were not from God, he couldn't have done it. And the Pharisees say, you were born a total sinner. Are you now trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. And then Jesus shows back up. And when he hears what happened, he goes to the man and he says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Keep in mind, this is the first time this man gets to see Jesus with his own eyes. He may have even recognized his voice. I'm not sure. But the man says, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said. And he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said. And he worshipped Jesus. And then Jesus tells him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. And some Pharisees who were standing with him, they were nearby watching this happen. They heard him and they said, are you saying that we're blind? Wait a second. You're not saying, you're not calling us blind. We haven't been blind our whole life. There's no secret sin in our life they say. And Jesus says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, but you remain guilty. 
because you claim you can see. And I look at this story of the gospel. I was blind and now I can see. And it would be great if it ended there, right? Because there's two kind of miraculous things here. There's the miraculous healing of the man's eyes, that he was blind and now that he can see. But there's the even more miraculous healing of his heart. That his heart is now restored back with God, the Father. And no longer is he condemned. No longer does he believe that it was because of some sin that he was born blind. He now understands that there is a love of God in his life through Jesus. And it doesn't matter if this religious community is going to cast him out because he knows who Jesus is. There's a second part of this story. We usually stop it here, but there's a conversation. This, this question that the Pharisees ask actually leads Jesus into one of the best illustrations that he ever gives of himself. And it comes from John 10, just the next chapter. So if we read it as one conversation with the Pharisees saying, hey, we're not blind too. And Jesus saying, actually, you might be. I've come to kind of put people in corners. You have to decide what you're going to do with this gospel at this moment. And this is what he goes on to say. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than through a gate must surely be a thief and a robber. And they're probably like, what is he talking about? But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And they're like, what is he talking about? And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they they follow him because they know his voice. Okay, he absolutely is crazy. Why is he talking about shepherding all of a sudden? Right? I thought we were talking about this blind guy who was healed. I thought we were talking about me being blind. What is he saying? They won't follow a stranger, these sheep. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. He goes on to say, those who heard Jesus use this illustration, they didn't understand what he meant, so he starts explaining it to them, as he often did, which I'm so thankful for because I'd be lost too. He says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have the other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I have to bring them in also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I can take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. And when he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? And others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And that's where it ends. This question where we have to decide, what are we going to do with that? This idea... That sheep hear his voice and respond to it. That his sheep hear his voice and follow. And the Pharisees are sitting there, these super holy religious people that grew up believing, clinging to the religious tradition, clinging to 
everything that they held so dear, and here comes Jesus, ready to disrupt it, and he says, wait a second, what are you following? Who are you following? My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. That means we're moving. That means we take steps. My sheep don't hear my voice and stay behind. My sheep don't hear my voice and stay with each other to debate more. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And when I look at that amazing example of the gospel that I was blind and now I see, when I think about the gospel being good news as not something that happened a long time ago, but as something that happens to me daily, this daily following, this daily surrender, I wonder, what is he saying to me now? Is the gospel news to me today? Or is it just something that happened? And then I got comfortable. So I look at this and I think, all right, I've had a lot of eye exams when I was a kid, still do. What about a different kind of eye exam? Where am I spiritually blind? Who am I in this story? Am I like one of those Pharisees saying, wait, wait, I'm not blind, am I? Because if the gospel teaches me anything, it teaches me that the more that I love Jesus, the more that there is to ask for forgiveness from. The more I surrender to him, the more I have to follow. There's something in this for all of us. And I don't don't care if you say you've been following Jesus since you were a kid or for three years. Maybe you haven't even made that decision yet. I'm just saying that his sheep hear his voice and they follow. So are you following? What's your next step? It might be his voice is calling you right now today to start that journey with him, to embrace the fullness of the gospel that he gave his life for you and that you can just embrace him completely and have life with him forever to live that abundant life he promises, maybe your next step is to say, you know what? I need to be baptized. I I made that decision, but I've never gone public with that. I've never told anyone. Maybe your next step is to re-enter into a faith community. Maybe you're like those parents that were just like, they were cast out for a long time. Maybe something happened to you in a faith community a long time ago in a church, and you're like, I don't know about this anymore. I don't know if I can go back but you're not meant to do this life alone. Maybe it's serving, using your gifts to reach those people so that you stop walking by that blind guy every single day. You stop walking by those people in need, the people who need to hear the gospel, that you actually, you actually engage their world so that when God intersects with it, when Jesus shows up, you're there. And you know their story. And they have a place to belong. I don't know what your next step is. I just know this. I do know that you have to follow it. You have to listen to his voice and you have to follow. If you have questions about that at the end of the service, there's going to be somebody down front that can pray with you or talk with you about that or in the commons across. But more than that, I think right now, I just, I just want to pray and ask that you would listen to his voice now, whatever it's telling you to do. God, thank you for this story. Thank you for the simplicity that I was blind and now I see. God, for some of us in this room, there are things we are still blind to. 
we find ourselves asking, it's not us, is it? We're not blind, are we? God, reveal our sin to us. Unmask it so that we can be healed of it. So that the mud in our eyes can be washed off and we can see clearly to do what it is that you've called us to do, to follow where you want us to go, to take the next step, whatever that next step is, God. Reveal it to us, help us to listen and to follow. In the name of Jesus, the bringer of this amazing gospel, we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.